Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. We have a wonderful lineup for you tonight. So, we have some people that want to share something that's on their heart, and we're going to have them come up. Some are adults, some are teenagers, and uh, we're just going to wing it and see what happens. And I want you to prepare your heart. So here's the greatest thing about coming to church. You're already here on a Wednesday night. You're here. You might as well get closer to God. You might as well go ahead and declare, like, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get something from somebody tonight. It's a Wednesday night service. Go ahead. I dare you. Like, just grow and change and be challenged and always be open to learning and growing. Okay? Because we're here on a Wednesday night. Might as well. So, all right. So let's see what God has for you guys. Um, I'm excited. I know there's a few of you out there that I can't wait till your lives are changed. <laughs> Anyways, with that, our first speaker is Cammy. Thank you. That died down too quickly, if I can just say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, just starting off, um, I think what Pastor Carl was um, praying about um, whenever he prayed us in was pretty fitting um, because uh, what I really you know, generally want to preach to you all about is just trust in, trusting in God. Oh, already getting some feedback. All right. <laughs> okay. So with... Our limited human minds, it often makes trusting God incredibly difficult because we don't really know if there is purpose to what we're going through or what's going to happen after some kind of struggle. So especially in times of difficulty, it is so difficult to trust in God. And emotions are incredibly powerful, and the unknown is incredibly daunting also. So it's easy when looking at a situation you're in and you feel your feelings um, and you become unable to see how things can get better. And I'm here to remind you, as well as myself, that no matter how hopeless or bleak your situation seems, you can trust God. I want to point you all to two verses. The first one is Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future." And the other verse is Isaiah 41:10. Isaiah 41:10, "Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold uphold you with my righteous right hand." From the first verse, we already know that God has a plan for you. And that plan, to put it incredibly simply, is for you to have a good life, both in the present and in the future. And so already from that, we know that God is not the cause of any bad thing that happens to you. But rather, everything he does in your life is to help, is to achieve that plan which, of course, is to give you a future, a hope for you to prosper. 
And so going on to Isaiah 41.10, that explains that even when you do encounter situations, however it's brought up, that try or may even succeed to divert you from that path, God will always be there for you, whether to take away those issues or to strengthen you and to bring you back on the right path. And by Romans 8.28, we know that he can use your struggles for good. When I was in seventh grade, I was homeschooled up until that point. And so then my parents decided to put me into school. And boy, can I tell you, I cried every single morning. And I begged my parents every single morning to not take me to school. And I never succeeded. Um, But I stayed at the school from seventh grade to graduation. And you ask me today, and I will tell you, it is the best thing that had ever happened to me. I met the most amazing group of friends, and I became a person that I am very proud of um, because of that school and, and because of the environment that I was in. So no, I didn't know what would have been my future, but imagine just how much more at peace I would have been if I looked at God, thinking on him, and thought, maybe this is for the best, or trusting God that if this isn't for the best, he will get me out. I want to emphasize again that God does not put you with or in anything that should cause you harm. And so there are many things, I want to say automatically, like there are plenty of things that we know automatically is not of God. It was not his plan for you. But it's often difficult to know whether you're struggling because you or someone else interfered in the plan or because you are responding negatively to an event that is ultimately for the best. Sometimes you can't tell, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. If things aren't going according to his plan for you, you can be at peace because you can trust that he will bring you, bring it back on track. If you can't see how this is for the best, you can be at peace trusting that God has something better in store for you. You win either way. And no matter the struggles that you're going through, God is there. And you can be at peace with anything that comes your way. You can be at peace no matter how bad your situation is. And reminding of yourself, reminding yourself just how much God loves you is that first step to placing your trust in him. There you go. Thank you, Cammie. All right. We have a special treat. I don't know that I've ever heard from this man from the pulpit, so I would like to call up Josh Stone King. All right. Thank you. I am Josh Stone King, young adults pastor, alongside my beautiful wife, Sarah. Most of you know her more than I. Um, But I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you, my family and fellow believers, God is so good to us. 
uh, we want to honor our pastors, Eric and Heather, as we join together to live um, our mission here at One Cause. We all know share his message, serve his mission, and show his mercy. Um, God gives us a hope, which is, and it should be, it's an anchor to our soul, steadfast and immovable. He gives us this hope thanks to the gift of his son Jesus. In him we have eternal glory, but not just future, because we know he's a very present help in time of need right now. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, therefore to come boldly through the throne of grace, we all know this, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We know we need to have faith to access God's endless grace, Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he, come, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's so many biblical truths that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us. Oftentimes, he wants to reveal them even more than we want to seek them. <laughs> that does not necessarily happen by sitting on the couch or at the dinner table and boom, honey, guess what God just told me? It happens by studying his word, by getting with fellow believers as iron sharpens iron, staying in his presence, having an awareness of the Holy Spirit. Being mindful of how the Holy Spirit can work through us, through me, through you. Through worshiping our Savior, enter into worship not as a personal enjoyment, but it's offering our sacrificial praise to him with our lips. We all need to be unified in our mission, in Christ's mission, to share the good news gospel that is, it's God who saves us, and he's the one to give grace and mercy. He's the God who leaves the 99 to find the one. And then he throws a party in heaven. And we should throw a party here, too, whenever a soul is saved. It's our job to believe and speak out this truth to all we come in contact with. Our lives should be a light. It should be attractive, not in a flashy new outfit or new car sort of way, but in a, hey, there's trouble in your life and you're not panicking. You have this peace about you that doesn't make sense. Or, hey, this job is so stressful and you never join us for happy hour. <laughs> Paul writes in Philippians 2, 2 through 5, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also in the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. True humility is not groveling to God or shaming yourself, but at the same time, it's not minimizing what God is doing in somebody else's life or compare to each other. There's power in sharing our testimony. It's not only about talking about, not the testimony of how you became saved, but I'm talking about talking about God's goodness in our everyday lives. We need to humble ourselves to put each other first so we can listen and encourage and lift each other up by reminding each other of how good God's grace is in my life. We're moving toward this as we have life groups coming up. Throw that in there. We have a unified goal as a church and as a body of Christ, not to compare, as the hand says to the eye, I have no need of you, but to be intentional in building our church and the kingdom of God through our life groups, to genuinely show interest in each other, 
in each other's groups and to engage and actively participate in your own group and to offer wisdom and your talents to each other and the church. Let us keep our speech as edifying and not destructive. When we see a volunteer or other church member not doing so well, don't shame them or don't put them down. Extend grace. Love them. Teach them. Lift them up and remind them that kingdom business is not measured by worldly standards. We are called to be a city set on a hill. And we are a church that has the answer, the word of God. And we want to serve his mission. We all have one heart and one mind to bring people to the goodness of God. Don't minimize God's mercy. Share grace. Love you guys. Wow. Thank you, Josh. Ooh, man. What a good, warm soul. That felt good. All right. Um, next up, we have a young person. We have another man coming up. What I call a mitt, a man in training. Get on, get in up here, Joe. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How's it going? That's good. So I was at school today. I was. I was at school today. Um, and somebody fell down the stairs at my school. And uh, I was at the bottom of the stairs. And they were like, quick, call me an ambulance. And I was like, you're an ambulance. So that never really happened. <laughs> all right, all right, <laughs> all right. That's it. That's enough of that. Okay. So, <laughs> well, okay. My verse is Matthew fourteen, verse twenty-two through thirty-one, and this is right after Jesus had. Um, fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Um, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter, immediately when Peter got distracted, that's when he started to sink. He was focused, he was initially focused on what was important. He was focused 
on Jesus, and then he got distracted by what was going around him, and then he started to sink. See, the moment that you give the devil your attention is the moment that you start to sink. Over the summer, I, um, I like to work out, you know, here and there, because I know it's good for me. Um, and my, where I work out, I work out on my backyard patio, and because, because I have a weight set there, and I want to take advantage of that, you know? But, you know, when, it's, when you're working out lifting weights, and it's up, upwards of, like, 180 degrees outside, you kind of want to get that done as soon as possible so you could get back inside and, you know, take a shower. So uh, I don't know what it is about my backyard, but I feel like it's the hot spot for every bee, wasp, and hornet in the entire state of Texas. Like, I don't know what it is about my backyard, but they just like to go, specifically when I'm working out. That's the, it's like almost a little suspicious how often they come. So one time I was working out, and I see this monstrosity of, I don't even know what it is. It's like a bee, a hornet, a wasp, and like a bullfrog all got together and made this thing. It was huge. Like, I, I could see this thing's shadow on the ground from like 20 feet away. That's how big this thing was. It's... And I, okay, so I'm working out and I immediately stand up. I drop the weights and I like, I just like freeze. I'm like a statue and I'm watching it. It's about five feet away from me. It can't harm me. I'm making sure I'm distancing myself from it so it can't, you know, get to me. And I'm just sitting there for about like 10 minutes waiting for this thing to leave so I could get back to working out. And it does, it eventually leaves and I get back to working out and then it happens again and it comes and I sit there for another like 10 minutes and wait for it to leave. And me and this bee go through this process like three or four more times until I realize if I don't give this bee my attention, if I don't deliberately go up to it and start messing with it, that it's not gonna harm me, it's not gonna come and attack me. So I finally just get my workout done like I should have in the first place. And something that was, that could have taken like an hour, took an hour to like an hour and a half because I kept on getting distracted and I lost focus of what I was doing initially and it, I got off course and I got off track. See, we get into these battles and we get distracted and that takes us off track. How long, how long has it taken you to reach that goal that you wanted to achieve? How long has it taken you to get that job that you wanted? How long has it taken you to get over that relationship? Because keeping your eyes focused, keeping your eyes on track to what is important will lead you out of that battle. And I believe, I was thinking about this verse in this story, and I believe that Peter... If he, I believe, I think he learned his lesson the first time that happened to him. Like, he's like, okay, Jesus, I see what's going on here. If I keep my eyes on you, then 
I'll be able to make it to you without, without sinking. So I believe that if Peter would have gotten this opportunity again to do this, then he would have made it to Jesus. And I believe if he would have gotten an opportunity after that, his pace would have sped up a little bit. And if he got a, an opportunity after that, he may go into a little jog, you know? And it would keep on, he would keep on speeding up until he was on a full-on sprint towards Jesus. I don't know what battle you're going through today, but you, if you keep your eyes on what is important, you will make it out of this battle, and you will find that your battles will get easier and easier until you are full-on sprinting towards, your, towards the finish line, out of the battle, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Man, woo, nice job. That is a man in training right there. Also, working out is very good. When I met Pearl, I immediately started working out. I just wanted to show her that I could. I just want you to know I can. Once we're engaged, then I stopped. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have a wit. This is a woman in training. Maya. Hello. Hi. can't do an accent. I'm sorry. I'm not good at that. My friends and I, we were trying to do accents today, and one of my friends can do a very convincing British accent. I was like, hello, would you like some tea? And I was like, no. Nah. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to talk about um, one of my favorite parts of uh, the Bible at this time, which is the uh, book of Exodus, and uh, specifically about Moses and the burning bush. Not about the burning bush itself, but rather the conversation that takes place between Moses and God afterwards, because that is really, really interesting. Uh, so this is, Moses, uh, the, hmm, this is Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. So Moses just seen the burning bush. He's like, whoa, that's crazy. And then this is immediately after that when God comes in and calls out to him. So uh, Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And those three words, here I am, carry so much power because they're so solid, they're so certain. Like, I'm sure hearing, seeing this bush on fire is like, oh, that's interesting. And then the voice of God booms down from the heavens and calls out to you. There are a million other responses you could have to that. You could start making excuses and saying, it, doubting it, is this really God, or start apologizing for every wrong thing you've done and being fearful, but instead of that, he simply states, here I am. And this can be seen as putting your faith in, in God and saying, God, what do you want with me? But in, later in the chapter, it, um, they're having a conversation, and uh, God is saying, you must go to Egypt, you must free the people. And uh, chapter 3, verse 13 He's saying, what is, uh, so when I go to them and say, God has sent me, what is, uh, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He's identifying himself as I am, just like Moses identified himself as I am, here I am. So this is more about identity. I mean, there are a hundred different like themes in this chapter, but one of them is definitely identity. And not just acknowledging that I am a child of God, but declaring it in his face, coming boldly before the throne of God, which I mentioned earlier, and saying, I am your child. Identity is something that we all struggle with. I have struggled with it, especially because I did not grow up in a Christian church. And um, I grew up in a church, but I, didn't, I never really identified myself with it. I never really connected with it like my parents did. So I never really thought of it as my church, and I still don't. But um, back then, people would ask about my religion and say, what are you? And I'd be like, well, you know, I'm spiritual, and, which is just a really fancy way of saying I have no clue. <laughs> like, I had a general faith in humanity and that people are good, and I knew I was important in the universe, but if you asked for specifics, I would kind of deter you away from the topic till you dropped it, because <laughs> I didn't really have any other response. And... Back then, I didn't really see that as an issue. I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm just, you know, growing and learning, which I was, but I didn't realize how insecure that made me to not have an identity in the world, to not know who I truly was in regards to the universe and to know what God thought of me, to know what I should think of myself. I had absolutely no basis from that, and I realize that now, but I didn't realize that back then, how many problems that probably caused for me. Me not thinking I was capable of certain things, me not thinking that I was loved consistently on a day-to-day -day basis, even when I was doing bad things. And declaring here I am is declaring that I am a child of God, constantly. And that just washes away all insecurities. That just expels everything. And sometimes we can even doubt that identity, like Moses doubts it later in uh, chapter 4. He says, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue in verse 10. He's saying, even though God is right in front of me, I'm still doubting myself. That, that's crazy. How can you doubt yourself? God is right in front of you, but we're all human. We all go through that. That's a very human trait. But when there's a question about identity. It's not what you're going through right now in the moment. It's always about you have to go back to that basis because you spiral and you think you do a bad thing. You think I'm a bad person. I, and then you do a good thing. I think I'm, you think you're a good person, but it's not about conditions. It's about going back to what you're made of. And then it's about going back to who created you. And that's when you state here I am, that you're a child of God. Genesis chapter 127, going back to who are you? What am I? Well, the question is answered right here, right at the beginning of the Bible. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So when you ask, who am I? I'm a child of God, but what does that mean? That means you're an image of God. That means when God looks at you, he's not seeing anything that you think you are. He is seeing a mirror. He's seeing himself. So just like he declares, I am, you can declare, I am, because you are in his image. So be sure in your identity, because it is secured. 
now and forever. So speak it, be proud of it, declare it at every single situation that you find yourself running into where you, you doubt yourself based on your conditions. Because conditions inside, they never change. Amen. Thank you. Wow. You're in high school? <laughs> wow. You need to lead a life group. <laughs> Take two of them, okay? <laughs> All right. Wow, that was good. Isn't this good? And it's so good for people to have these opportunities. And if you really want to challenge yourself and you want to have this opportunity, talk to us afterwards, okay? Because we love to put people up here and help you develop this gift and help you to communicate what's on the inside of you because it's really important. So with that, we would, I would like to invite our next communicator, which is also our worship pastor, Faith. Good evening. <laughs> I brought my iPad up so that way I don't walk around too much like I normally do. Um, first, I just want to say God really is speaking to all of you guys tonight because um, we threw this together on Monday and uh, everyone here has the exact same word. And um, so God is really trying to bring something into your lives tonight. Can, Really, I mean, his presence is really strong right now. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I know what's going on. You know what I mean. <laughs> but the title of my message is, I am a child of God, and nothing can separate me from him. Romans 10:17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For the word of God is living, Sorry, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is extremely powerful. And the more we speak it and hear it, the more we hear it. And the more we hear it, the more we believe it. I am a child of God, and nothing can separate me from him. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in him, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We received him, and now we are children of God. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor anything, any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am a child of God, and nothing can separate me from him. Because God loves me, and we are in his love. I love my best friend. My best friend, he is beautiful. He is a beautiful blonde 
with beautiful big blue eyes, and he's very tall for his age, which is four. He, Noah Winston Land, is my favorite person in the world, and I tell him this all the time. He's my favorite, and he is my best friend. He knows it. He knows how much I love him, because I tell him all the time, I love you, you are my favorite, you are my best friend. Earlier this month, Noah was in town uh, for the prophetic conference along with his parents. And um, we were all hanging out because, uh, you know, they're in town for like three days. So as much as possible, all of their best friends are going to like spend time with them, right? So everybody, so we're hanging out together. Um, and someone says to Noah, Noah, you're my favorite. And Noah goes, no, I'm Faith's favorite. And I was elated because he knew who he was. Now, I mean, this poor little four-year-old does not understand that multiple people can have, their, can have the same favorite. He doesn't get that. But what he does understand is that he is my favorite because I tell him it all the time. So to Noah, he just heard someone attacking his identity. He heard uh, somebody else trying to claim him, but he knew that's not my identity. My identity is Faith's favorite. <laughs> In the same way, through God's word, he tells us who we are. He tells us that we are children of God. He tells us that nothing can separate us from him. Struggles and trials will come. The devil may whisper in your ear that you are his and not God's that you did something bad, that you have, um, he says, you have guilt, you have sin, you have shame. You're not God's, you're mine. You have failed, and therefore you are no longer right with God. But we need to be like Noah and use what we know to be true and say, no, I am God's favorite. I am a child of God. Nothing can separate me from him. If you are in the word, you can combat the devil Romans 8, 31 through 39 in the New Living says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave up for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give up everything else, give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then can condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is seat, seat, sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it, mean, does, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we fall into trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God. Cammie said earlier, God is not the cause of any bad thing that happens to you. When the devil and the world attack you, when you start to lose sight of who you are, open the Bible and read the word. Josiah said earlier, the moment you give the devil your attention is the moment that you seek. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Joshua 1.8 tells us to meditate on his word daily, always. Josh Stone King fittingly told us to read the word and remember the promises that God has, put, has given us. No one knew that he was my favorite because he heard it so often. So remind yourself of who you are until you believe it. Speak it every day. Maya talked about identity and being a child of God. God clearly wants you to hear this today. Know who you are. You are a child of God, and nothing can separate you from him. Wow. Thank you, Faith. All right. Well, guys, that was a lot. So you know what? I think we're going to let us get out a little early tonight, and you have a lot to think about, and you have a lot to talk about with your friends and families and enemies. <laughs> Whoever you hang out with, I don't know your group. <laughs> so with that said, uh, let's all stay, uh, you can stay sitting. <laughs> I'm just kidding, go ahead and stand. <laughs> Uh, it's Wednesday night. We can have a good time. So, all right. I will just pray for you and then um, talk to somebody and tell them something that you learned tonight. And if you didn't learn anything, then make something up really good. <laughs> all right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being in this place. And uh, we thank you for radically changing all of our lives, changing the way we think changing the way we see ourselves, changing the way that we talk to ourselves. And uh, Lord, we thank you for just letting us know who we are in Christ and letting us be that boldly out in the world, out with our families and everywhere we go. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and guide us with your truth and that you always remind us of how much you love and care for us. And I just pray that everybody would have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody they know and uh, pray that this week something awesome and special would happen in everyone's lives and that we would all get closer to you and that we would all grow with a greater hunger to know you and to know your word. And Father, we just declare that this house is blessed, that this church is a blessed house, that these are not victims, but they're victors. That, Father, that they fight and they know how to fight in the spiritual realm. And thank you, Father, that they know your authority and they take it daily. And so, Father, we just declare that 
awesome things are in this house and in this group of people, and we expect it. We come going into life groups expecting salvations, expecting people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, expecting lives to be changed, expecting circumstances to be completely changed, um, and just miracles to follow all of these life groups and all of the groups that meet together. And we declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.